This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hello and welcome into the Resurrected Rotowire Esports Podcast. My name is Andrew Laird. I'm the head of DFS content here at Rotowire. Uh, I thought this would be a great time to uh, talk about some daily fantasy League of Legends because it's the only game in town at this point other than some uh, simulated NBA and whatnot. Uh, I know very, very little about League of Legends, uh, which is only slightly more than I knew a week ago. So joining me today is one of the original Rotowire uh, esports contributors who's uh, still with us, is uh, Ethan Sexton. So Ethan, how does it feel to see a game that you have played for years now be literally the top of the DraftKings lobby? Uh, it's it's really surreal, to be honest with you, man. I mean, uh, never could we have imagined this day would come. I mean, um, you know, you're obviously very familiar with soccer being a, a niche sport on uh, DraftKings. And, you know, League of Legends is like the ultimate niche sport. Um, <laughs> maybe like cricket or like some of those, you know, Euro League NBA uh, basketball or some of those things. But it's really surreal seeing the insane prize pools um and you know all it took was a global pandemic and i, I don't say that to make light of our situation but it, it's crazy you know I, I you know months ago i even remember saying something to you about jokingly bringing me in for a, a dfs esports podcast and i think you hit me with the homer simpson fading into the, the bushes <laughs> so, so we've kind of come come almost like full circle man it's it's crazy but it's it's interesting you know and um, I certainly, you know, wish we weren't in the situation with the coronavirus, but, you know, at least there's some silver lining for, for League of Legends, I guess. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I was trying to explain to my wife, like, what was going on with, with Daily Fantasy Sports. Uh, this was a few weeks ago. I mean, two weeks ago. It feels like a year at this point. But when uh, Liga MX was, like, the only soccer thing in, uh, left, and I was saying... You know, on a normal Friday night, uh, the content, the the biggest GPP you would find would be like maybe five hundred dollars. Sometimes they would do a thousand, and then all of a sudden, we're playing for a hundred thousand dollars. And it was like, well, this is what happens when it's the only game. And then yes. we moved that uh, postponed. Then we moved on to Turkey, and that postponed. And then we went to Australia, and we saw we continued to see you know hundred thousand, hundred and fifty thousand dollar GPPs. That's gone now. Esports is the only game in town 
We have a $300,000 GPP this weekend. We've consistently seen over 100,000 this week for all the different leagues. It's just um, the, the, the growth is crazy. And we're here because there are a lot of people who want to play uh, DFS. League of Legends is what's left, and they kind of don't really know how to dive into it, um, what strategies there are. And so hopefully um, we're going to go through that uh, over the course of this podcast. We're, I, I want to be kind of clear that we, we don't want to die. It, I know it sounds weird. We're, we're not going to really dive into League of Legends itself that much. We're going to really try to focus on the daily fantasy aspect of it. Uh, DraftKings has had contests for a few years now. FanDuel joined as well um, this week, I think. Uh, the scoring is slightly different um, positionally or in terms of roster construction, but not drastically different. So what we talk about now will mostly focus on DraftKings, but um, I think it's, it's very similar to what you can find on FanDuel. Obviously, the pricing is going to be a little different, but yep. um, generally yeah, the they're around the same thing. Yeah, the pricing and the and the scoring, you know, is going to be a little different, but the, the quote-unquote game theory um, – it translates to both sites, in my opinion. Yeah, perfect, perfect. So just as I say, we're not going to talk about League of Legends that much. Can you at least uh, describe what happens in the game so that people can kind of understand like what at least the teams are trying to accomplish? Like with people who, you know, if you only play football and you only play or you only play NBA and then now you're forced to play soccer, I think a lot of people are at least very familiar with how soccer works. But League of Legends is, is just a very foreign thing to a lot of people. So if you could just basically break down what, what we trying to see in this, in these games. Yeah, sure. Um, and you know, purposefully we're not trying to get really into the weeds here. So I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet, but at least explain, you know, if you want to tune in while you're, you're sweating your DFS lineups, what you can, what you're kind of looking at. Um, so league of legends is, uh, is, a classified as like a multiplayer online battleground arena. That's the genre of game. Um, and all that really means is um, you got a team versus another team, and each team consists of five players on each side. They each have their own individual role, um, and they work together as a team to take down uh, neutral objectives around the map, um, eventually culminating in taking down the enemy team's nexus is what it's called, um, which sits in the middle of their base. Uh, so that's like a layman's really short version of what's going on you got five players on each side and they're both the both teams are working uh, against each other but working within their individual teams to um go after a common goal um which is to take down the the enemy team's base essentially it sounds to me like capture the flag uh yeah a, a little bit um a little bit so yeah you except you know you don't have I guess it'd be like capture the flag where you hide the flag in a, in a, in a location in the, except for in this case, you know where the location is. It's just all about how you get to it. Right. Right. Okay. I like that. Um, so there are obviously fantasy points that go on in this. Um, it seems like kills and assists are really what we're after. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. Um, kills and assists is the, the major way to rack up fantasy points. Um, you do get DraftKings does offer a variety of other ways to score fantasy points. So uh, there's neutral things on the map called minions that go into each lane. And I'm not trying to get too deep into the weeds here, but they give gold to the players um, if you last hit them for the kill. 
Um, not a kill on another player, so you don't get fantasy points for it, but a, a creep score when you take down a minion is two-tenths of a point. Um, so it really takes a lot of that to rack up points. Um, so really you're looking at the big multipliers are the kills and assists. So you kind of think of them in soccer terms as uh, a kill is like a goal and an assist is like an assist. So it translates nice, nicely that way at least. They're, they're the big events in the game. Okay, okay. And so basically the creep score, these are the, essentially other things on the map that you can, I mean, are you killing them? You are, yeah. yeah. But you're killing the minions, but they only give you about two hundredths right. or two tenths of a point, and I don't factor that into my decision making at all when I'm looking at who <laughs> I want my lineup. I mean, typically, typically your AD carry mid laner and top laner are going to have the highest creep scores, but I don't factor it into my analysis at all. Is it theoretically guys who have a lot of kills also have a high creep score? Yes, typically, because okay. yeah. you're. you're your carry positions, which we'll get into more when we hit positions, are your AD carry and your mid laner. They're going to have the highest creep scores, and they're also going to have the highest kills typically in, in any given game. Right, right. Um, and so we, why don't we actually uh, go down the positions that you have? Sure. Um, that seems to make the most sense because for um, DFS, both DraftKings and FanDuel, you also choose a team, and those that scoring is different. Yep. So, what are the the player positions that we're that we have to fill for each slate? Sure. So we'll run uh, run right down the list here. Um, we'll start in the top lane. So your top laners are typically um, a pretty sort of a volatile position for DFS. Um, they typically will play a hybrid offensive defensive type role, or in some cases they play a strictly defensive type role where they'll play a tank champion, which really doesn't deal a lot of damage, but it's more meant to take damage, set up plays, and protect the carries. Um, the reason top lane is really the most volatile role as far as scoring as they typically will end games with the lowest kill percentage, um, where they'll have a lower total, say they'll only be involved in about 50% of their team's kills, Whereas other roles can push, you know, 70, 80, 90% in some instances. So the lower the kill percentage, typically the lower uh, score a top laner is going to get for DFS purposes. Um, the only exception, and it really gets into more slate and team dependent things. Um, perfect example, some teams play more towards their top laner. Um, and the perfect example of this is uh, Invictus Gaming in the LPL. Their top laner goes by the his in-game name is the Shy, and arguably he is uh, the best player in the world. He's he's undoubtedly the best top laner in the world. They'll play more to their top side, where he'll play on carry champions, where he which gives him a higher upside to get more kills. Um, so that that's more of a slate and team dependent thing. But generally, top lane is going to end games with the lowest kill percentage, which typically will result in a lower uh, fantasy score. Sure. On most slates. Okay. So really looking for points, we're going mid lane and AD care. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, speaking generally, mid lane and AD carry are going to be the guys, the players, the positions that get the highest amount of fantasy points because they are the ones who are actively looking to rack up kills. And they're obviously going to be the most expensive. Yep. They're okay. always the most expensive. All right. Um, so... Jungle and support close us out for the four, for the the five individual positions. It seems, and we'll get to 
where to do stuff, but it seems like the the variance on the jungle on the jungle position is is high enough where a support generally has a higher floor. Is do I understand that correctly? Yep, I, I would agree with that completely. Um, support is really exactly what the name entails. Um, they they look to support the team, so they act they actively lane with the AD carry in the bottom lane, um, and they move around the map eventually, but. Uh, the support is paired always with the AD carry, um, and the support is not looking to take kills, so that hurts their ceiling, but often the support is one of the roles that has the highest kill percentage. Um, you, typically, you'll see a support uh, rack up double-digit kills in any given game, or excuse me, double-digit assists Assist, yeah. in any given game, um, which really helps their floor because an assist is way easier to get than a kill. Only Only one member of the team can get a kill, um, on a certain player, but all the all the other members could potentially and theoretically get an assist on that one kill. Ooh, so okay. assists are a lot easier to pile up, um, which the, the support will end, you know, it helps their floor because they can pile up assists where it hurts their ceiling, though they're, they're not actively looking to take kills away from other members of the team. Is there at least one assist on every kill? Typically. Um, usually what you'll see, there's a, a thing called solo kills, which usually they happen more so um, in the in the laning phase, the early part of the game, um, where a mid laner will outplay the other mid laner, or a top laner will outplay the other top laner, um, and no one else will be around, so they'll get a, what's called a solo kill, um, which will result in in no assist. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So, so like like <clears throat> like the shy we were just mentioning, like he's a great example of this in the top lane because he's such a good player. Um, a lot of times he can he can really bully his opposing top laner and he'll come away with with solo kills quite often actually. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Uh, and then for DFS purposes, we have to choose a team, uh, which uh, in itself has a num like its own separate scoring. Yep. Um, and when I was originally getting into this and I saw like the player stats is like kills, assists, death, creep score, like that's all pretty easy. You get bonuses if you have. Uh, at least 10 kills or assists. Uh, the team scoring is, was completely foreign to me. Um, so if you could kind of break that down, because there are literally words in here that I don't even understand. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully we can at least explain that. But it, but it does seem like this position from a DFS perspective is the, I don't want to call it the least important, but it's the one that um, may be the least important. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's... so. You know, the team slot is, I would agree, it's not as important, especially on best-of-one slates, um, which we'll get into a little more here in the podcast. Uh, on the best-of-one slates, really, a winning team is going to put up a pretty pretty similar score to any other winning team. Um, where it becomes a little more of an important issue is in best-of-three series because you're playing a minimum of two games. So you're going to get a lot more points out of the team role than you would in just the best of one games. Um, but the team slot, essentially, you know, we talked a l briefly about how there's neutral objectives in the game. Um, and the team slot is where you're going to see those come into play a bit more. So there's uh, multiple turrets on the map. There's uh, dragons that spawn every uh, six minutes, I believe, five, six minutes. Um, I probably got that wrong and embarrassed myself, but that's all right. Um, there's a baron, something called a baron nasher. All these things are neutral objectives um, that both teams will fight over during the course of the game. And the team slot is where when a team takes one of these or multiple ones of these, that's where the points are coming from from the team spot um, throughout the game. 
Um, you also get points for first blood, which is the first kill of the game, is two points, uh, which goes into the team slot. And then you get bonuses for a win. So if your team wins, you get points. Um, if you win under 30 minutes, you get a bonus, two points. And then in the best of three series, if you complete a sweep, uh, a 2-0, and you don't have to play a third game, you get 15 extra points for that in lieu of playing the third game. And the players get a bonus as well. Like Correct. Each yep. individual bonus, yeah. Yep. So if, if a player a player on a certain team, they complete a sweep, they get 20 points, which is pretty good because typically in a loss – um, you're going to look at teams uh, and players that probably won't score 20 points in a losing game most most of the time. Yeah, we uh, this came up in our uh, subscriber Discord. Uh, somebody was like, it seems f- like fundamentally it makes sense that you would want three games because you get the, the third game of points. But you kind of explained that the, the 20 points for not playing actually ends up being more beneficial, especially because... Um, you're generally stacking these teams, which we'll get into in a little bit. So it's, it's 20 points like per player, not necessarily just right. 20 total. So it, the, the total points end up making more sense. Yep. In, in certain instances of losing, you know, losing players on a team can score more than 20 points in a game. It certainly happens. I'm not going to say it never happens, um, but typically it's going to be tough and especially in best of ones, it's going to be tough to. Well, it doesn't matter for best of ones, so maybe we can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, typically a losing player is not going to eclipse twenty points. Um, it does happen, but it's not. It's not like a guaranteed thing. So usually, the the twenty point game not played bonus is a better thing to have. Okay, um, I want to at least uh, amend what I said about the team of that they're the least important, but I guess the better way to put it is you don't want to prioritize team, the team spot enough where you're sacrificing the individual player spots. Like the, you want, those are the, the individual player spots, the top lane jungle, mid lane, 80 carrying support. Those are the ones you want to focus on first. And then you work the team like sacrificing to get a worse guy in your uh, support spot just to increase the team. Doesn't seem like the best strategy. Correct. It's it's a lot like um, you know listeners to the the soccer podcast. I'd liken it to goalie. Honestly, um, you we typically never pay up for a goalie in soccer, right? And we oftentimes will see the lowest price goalkeeper on the slate be fine because he's making enough saves. Um, it's tip, It's similar in that sense where exactly like you said, you you don't really want to sacrifice a, an actual player in your lineup uh, just to just to be able to upgrade the team slot. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Um, you mentioned best of one and best of three. Um, I guess this is also the time where we should explain that these leagues, the different leagues that DraftKings offers, DraftKings and FanDuel, um, are different regionals, like regions. So we have uh, North America, Europe, uh, China, Korea. I think that's the only thing that's in the lobby right now. Um, generally, the Chinese and Korean leagues are played on the same slate, like it's a the equivalent to an interleague slate uh, because the timing works out well. Um, whereas the European ones and the North American ones have their own slates. The, this big tournament that we have this weekend is uh, the North American one. I believe that that has a $300,000 yep. prize pool. Yep. But why don't you go through kind of what the, the best of one and best of threes are for those? Sure. So the, uh, the Eastern region uh, leagues are the Chinese LPL and the Korean LCK. 
Um, they both play best of three series. Uh, so you're playing a minimum of two games every series on the slate. Uh, and then the uh, Western Leagues, Europe's LEC and North America's LCS, play best of ones until we get to the playoffs, and then they play best of five. So uh, for right now, um, we have this is the final week for each, week nine, the final week of the regular season. So we've got one more weekend of best of one series in those two leagues, and then we'll head into the playoffs, which are going to be best of five series. So do you get essentially double points, double game not played points if you win in three instead of five? Yep, correct. So if you complete a three-game sweep, you get 40 extra points, which is great. Wow. Okay. Tough to do, of course, but um, it can happen, especially in the early rounds where you see the top teams kind of going against, like the number one seed going against a six seed or something like that. Yep, yep. And I have a note here because it was something I picked up um, in our subscriber chat, or maybe it was one of our articles, that the Korean league tends to play slower than the Chinese league. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Um, the Chinese league is like certainly the best from like a neutral viewership standpoint. Those guys do not care at all. If they give away a death, they are, they are really aggressive and, and love to fight, love to scrap. Um, and for DFS purposes, it's perfect because the more fights we get in a game, the more kills and assists we're going to get and the higher scores we're going to see. Um, comparing that to China, China plays more of a controlled, um, you'll hear it referred to as a clean style, um, where they don't like to take, a lot of the teams, especially the top teams, don't necessarily like to take unnecessary risks if they can help it. Like They're not actively going to go into a fight where they're uh, looking at a three versus a four uh, member type team fight. Uh, they're, you know, they're they're looking to play more of a controlled style, um, which results in less kills typically in their games, which results in less fantasy points for us. Um, the Chinese league is sometimes better to look at in your team slot, though, because they will take a lot of objectives in games, um, and kind of a lot of the best teams will usually two zero and sweep the worst teams. Um, so on the on the combined LPL LCK slates, a lot of times in that team slot, you're going to look at the LCK team teams for the team slot. Well, you're going to look more for the LPL teams for the player slots. Okay, okay, I get that. Um, yeah, I guess it's worth noting that for the like pricing on both of the sites generally uh, revolve around who they expect is going to win and not necessarily who they think is going to score the most fantasy points. And so if if there's like a heavy LCK favorite, like they could be the most expensive uh, team on the slate in terms of each of their individual players being expensive. But maybe there's an LPL team that is not as big of a favorite, but are likely to rack up significantly more kills and assists. um, That could be a better play. Is that accurate? Yes. Yep. If there's typically, you know, on these slates, you're going to see LCK teams uh, that are favorites, like you mentioned, comparably priced with the LPL teams that are favorites. I would almost always lean towards the uh, LPL teams. There are certain cases um, in today's slate. We're recording this on Thursday is a perfect example where a lot of the, the favorites in the LPL today that were priced expensively are teams that were kind of middle of the pack going against other teams that were middle of the pack, and they were hard to trust. 
So in that case, you might look more towards the big favorites in the LCK that are going against the weaker LCK teams. But typically, if you've got a top LPL team from the region, one of the best teams, comparably priced with a top LCK team, I would almost always side with the LPL team to outscore the LCK team. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Um, we had seen some LPL only slates uh, before the LCK came back. That I think that was a coronavirus adjustment. But do we yep. is from all things normal? Are they always split slates like this? Yes. Um, so the, the only time we'll get uh, LPL only slates are going to be Mondays and Tuesdays because the LCK plays Wednesday through Sunday. So we will get a couple standalone LPL slates too, but the majority of the week it's going to be, unless DraftKings changes them, um, it's going to be these six-game slates where three LCK games, three LPL games. Okay, okay. Um, I was going to dive into the which position score the points here, but before we even do that, um, a lot of people, at least certainly for like NBA and soccer, uh, it obviously applies to baseball, um, but... Starting lineups are a little different per region. Um, I bring this up because I got burned by it literally today. Um, part of it is that these LPL uh, LCK slates lock at 2 a.m. Eastern, and I usually I'm not awake at that hour to check lineups. Right. Um, but it seems like we have very good news from one of these leagues and terrible news from the other. So why don't you explain the lineup situation for at least those to start. Yep. So uh, the LPL is, you know, like a godsend when it comes to this because they, their, their teams all announce their starting lineups well in advance of the slate locking. So they'll do it like 12 hours ahead of time, which is great because like you said, you don't have to wake up at 1 a.m. And, and quick make sure your players are in the lineups. You'll already know for those LPL teams. So that's great. You know, we've got the uh, section on the Rotowire site where we're putting the daily lineups in, and as soon as the LPL lineups come out, we're confirming them. Um, the LCK is opposite end of the spectrum, though. They, they typically do not announce their starting lineups, or if they do, they'll do it for the first series on the slate like a half hour before, potentially. Um, and it's not always even a given that they're going to even do that. And it, it makes it really difficult because, as we saw today, a lot of teams started players that they hadn't started before um, Before the, they, they took the break um, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And squad we rotation. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we had no way of knowing. Um, and the other problem is, too, the slate locks at 2 a.m., and, you know, say the second LCK slate, maybe they do announce the lineups a half hour before or something like that, but you can't do anything about it anyway, so it doesn't matter. Hmm. Um, kind of along the same lines, the LEC and the LCS are a little better than the LCK where they don't full-on announce their starting lineups a couple hours before the slate like the LPL does, but typically in the, in the build-up to the weekend, if they're going to make a roster change, they'll announce it. Um, and all the teams have their own Twitter pages, and they're pretty good about announcing any changes that they're making heading into the lineup. Although it's not 100% because, as we saw last weekend, uh, a couple of the LCS, LCS teams did make roster changes, but they didn't announce them before the split. Um, I'm going to say that that's more of a one-off situation because of everything that was going on last week. Um, they didn't even know they were going to play until the middle of the week. Um, it was kind of an atypical week for everybody in the world, um, let alone just the League of Legends teams. But typically, the LEC and the LCS are really good about announcing roster changes in the build-up to the week. Okay. 
Okay. We obviously don't have to worry about subs in a best of one because it it's right there. But like, how often do we see subs in best of three or even when we get to playoffs in the best of fives? Like, is that something that we have to look at and say, like, I don't know about, you know, if I want one or these two guys, one of these two guys and this one is probably a higher sub risk. Like what, what is the actual sub risk we're looking at for a lot of these guys? Uh, it's, it's really team dependent, um, which I know is kind of a cop out, but there is always that inherent risk. Um, and the best way to kind of figure out who is the potential sub risk is to go back and kind of look at the box scores. Um, if, if I can call them that and see, you know, what teams, um, like to sub out of players if, if they're, you know, if they're in a best of situation, uh, you know, you can look back, luckily you can look back at the LPL and LCK slates right now at the box scores and see if a team loses game one, do they sub out a certain player for uh, a player that they have, you know, another player that they have in that role if they lost the first game and they want to mix things up. Um, you can kind of generate an idea that way. It's harder for the LEC and LCS, um, because they play best of ones during the season, but you can also sort of get a decent look at that because, um, you know, I'll use a team from the LCS FlyQuest uh, as an example because they're one of the teams this weekend that subbed out uh, their usual starting top laner for a different one. So you at least know if they make the playoffs, there's potential that whoever they start in the top lane for game one, if they lose, they could certainly swap it up um, and make a, make a change if they lose the opening game of a best of series. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of figure it out that way, um, but it's not a, it's not a guarantee ever, of course. <laughs> uh, where do we find box scores? Uh, there's a couple different places, so you can actually just do a Google search and type in the league names. So if say um, if you type in LCK. Google has it come up um, exactly like they would if you typed in like MLB, NFL, something like that. So typically they have box scores, um, which shows all the players and their stats for a given series. Um, there's a couple other p- places, Leaguepedia. Um, if you Google that, Leaguepedia is a really good resource for, for anyone looking to learn anything about League of Legends, honestly. But um, they'll have the box scores if you go to the individual league pages. And often Reddit will post the box scores immediately following a game or a series. So those are kind of the three three places that are the easiest places to look for the box scores. Okay. All right. That's easy. Um, <clears throat> so we talked about how obviously you can have like multiple assists per kill um, and how much of the team objectives kind of work together. So obviously correlation is huge. Um, it You wrote in your article, this is basically just a article version of this podcast, but um, about how stacking is basically what everybody does. And yep. it's because it's just everything is so highly correlated. It just fundamentally makes sense that you would stack teams um, on on these slates. Like we have seven roster spots to fill on DraftKings, uh, one of which is a captain. I guess we didn't discuss that uh, that much. But generally, it seems like the four guys from one team and three from another is what everybody does. Um is there any reason to not do that? Uh, not really, in my opinion. Um, we've seen some wonky uh, lineups win some of the MME tournaments recently where they'll have like two from one team, one from one team, one from a different team. So I'm not saying that that can't happen, but certainly in, in cash games and single entries, I would always recommend a stacking approach, whether it's 
a 4-3 like you just mentioned, um, or at worst a 4-2, and then your team slot, you know, especially on the six-game slates, um, your team slot could potentially be something different just seeing a, going off of what you can fit there as your one-off. Um, but it's it, it's really a lot like baseball. Um, and I remember when you did the kind of 101 baseball podcast with Jordan Cooper last year, I think his line was, if you're not stacking, you're not winning. Um, and I would put the same sentiment towards League of Legends. Typically, if you're not stacking, you're not going to win because it's a highly correlative, correlative game, uh, just like baseball. Yeah, I mean, like you noted that uh, we recently saw some somebody win a tournament with like a 2-2-1-1, two, two, one, one, whatever it was. I mean, yep. you can win a baseball GPP doing that. It's just... It's just so it's extremely hard to do to get every position right, right. Uh, in that situation when there are opportunities to be correlated. Um, you know, in baseball, somebody gets a hit, you get the points for that, and then the next guy gets a home run. Uh, you get the two runs scored, you get the home run. So it's like it just that's how it works for baseball, and it kind of has a very similar idea with uh, League of Legends. It's just it feels a little weird to. Um, stack in cash games because it, baseball you tend not to do it quite as much um just because if it goes down like you're going down in flames and that theoretically applies here so like what's the what where where's the best place to go to say like all right if i'm gonna i have to stack four three like how do you go about finding the team that you want to stack the four on yeah so you always really want to focus on the perceived winning teams and a lot of times um that means that it's the teams that are the most expensive have the best betting odds um, in the DraftKings lobby. Uh, so it can make stacking a challenge. Um, if that's the case where, you know, you're looking around and, you know, you're doing your research, building up to a slate and everybody, people are, you know, saying, you know, they don't, they don't have a good lean on any of the underdogs. So you're looking at playing the most expensive teams. It's hard to stack in a way where you can fit, 280 carries um, with one in the captain spot or two mid laners with one in the captain spot from these winning teams without having to do an absolute punt at one position or the team slot. Mm -hmm. um, and even then it can be sometimes impossible, even if you're going to punt at a spot to fit two carry positions um, from favored teams in your lineups. So a lot of times what you'll look to do in cash games, especially in that regard is first try to, put a, a jungler in your captain spot um, and, a, and another jungler and do a 4-3 stack of two winning teams that way. Uh, junglers tend to be priced a bit lower um, than the carry rolls especially, and they're, but, and they're often priced, sometimes, not always, um, below their top laners. But the thing about junglers, which makes them better to have in a captain spot, is they typically end up with a lot more kill participation than, than your top laners, which results in more fantasy points. Um, I would always lean towards putting a jungler in the captain spot than a support if you can help it. Um, and the reason is the jungler still has a higher ceiling than the support role. Um, putting two supports in has worked on some of these slates where it's even worked in MMEs and in tournaments for takedowns. Um, it, it, it's worked, but... I still don't think that that's the best way to go about things. I would I would still rather put a jungler in my captain lineup over my captain spot over a support um, if I'm looking at two winning teams if I can do it. 
Right. In, in cash, I don't think two supports is the worst thing because you're not necessarily looking for upside. You're just looking to be in the top 50 top 50 percent so it's not the worst thing because they do get good kill percentage but they just don't have the the ceiling normally that that other roles it will have right i guess for those who play showdown slates or the single game slates on on FanDuel, the the captain slots works the same way it's uh, one and a half times the points that you get so um that obviously me ideally you want the highest scoring player in that position because uh, you get a multiplier of the points. The difficulty is on DraftKings, there's, you also pay one and a half times the salary. And so if you're trying to captain the most expensive player, you're obviously really handicap, handicapping yourself, excuse me, which is what Ethan was saying, that um, you know, if you do that, you're going to end up having to really punt. But that being said, if maybe there's like a, an underdog that you're really high on, uh, if you can manage uh, a mid or an uh, eighty carry in the captain spot, like that's what we should be trying to do, right? Yep, that's that's always you know what you're aiming to do is to try to fit a player from one of those carry roles, so mid lane or eighty carry into that captain spot because they're they're normally always going to have the highest amount of fantasy points in a series or in a game. Um, so if there's a live underdog on a slate or you know a, a team that's mispriced. Um, Today's a perfect example. Um, DMO were, were really underpriced for what was essentially a 50-50 matchup. Same thing with Team WE. Um, they both ended up winning, and since they were so cheap, you could afford to fit a carry from those teams into your lineup in the captain spot and have a second, obviously, AD carrier mid laner in the normal spot, which greatly um, increases your fantasy points. Um, so just looking at my lineups from today, uh, my lineups with an AD carrier or a mid laner in the in the captain spot, you know, greatly outscored my lineups where I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just to point in here, the the carry spot, the carry spots, like I feel like I see this a lot in articles, like the carry spots, like that is the ADC and the mid. Yes, correct. Um, I should have reference that a little clearer but yeah the commonly referred to as the carry roles are uh, are going to be your mid lane and 80 carry 80 carry it's right in the name of course uh, right. uh, those two roles because those are the two roles that are actively their teammates are actively looking to give them kills to get ahead of their lane opponents um and snowball games into victories so they typically end up with the most kills on their teams those two roles um which obviously greatly increases their fantasy points right right so if we have a, a team where we can play, I don't want to say we can play whoever we want, but building your four threes, like what four spots do you find are generally the ones that we, would, that we want to have? So if you're in a perfect world where let's, let's just not take pricing into account, I guess your, right. four, your four stack, you're always going to look for the two carry rolls, and then you're probably going to look at the jungler third for sure. And then you can kind of decide between support and top lane. And really how I would make my decision on which fourth piece to take is what I'm going to look at for the three stack. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's not a perfect answer, but basically if you're three stack, you can fit the top laner. You like that. It's a, say it's a better player than the, the top laner from the team you're looking to four stack. Um, you take the top laner from the other team. Um, whereas you might take the support. Another way to kind of think about it is if I'm taking the 80 carry in my four stack, 
I might want and – and I'm not taking the 80 carry from uh, from my three stack. I might want to pair him with the support because those two roles really correlate together because they do the early game and laning phase together. And the support is usually looking to uh, make plays and to peel for their 80 carry throughout the entirety of the game. So they're, th- those two roles are very correlative together. So the so theoretically – not theoretically, but like if you – if you use your captain spot for a mid or an ADC from your four, your team with four, you're using the mid or ADC carry position on in your three stack. Yes, that's what's absolutely. left. Absolutely. Yep. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a one off, um, which, like we said, could work out okay hypothetically. But typically, you're going to want to you're going to want to stick a, a mid or an AD carry, whichever. Whichever spot you're captaining, and then in the normal lineup, you're going to want to use that same position from somebody from your three stack. And you pretty much never, I don't want to say never, but you generally put the team position with your three stack, not your four. Yes, generally I will do that. Yep, unless I feel really good about my three, about players in my three stack, um, I will typically put two actual players from the three stack and the team. Two, right, right, right. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, so the, it's very clear that like the mid, uh, and the ADCs are like the, the guys we want. Um, but it seems like, like in which situations, and I don't, the answer could just be like, it's a team by team thing and you just have to know the league of legends teams to do this. But like, how do we prioritize the other spots, meaning jungle top lane and support? Like, the the correlation it seems is there for support, but um, but does it work with the others as well? Yeah. So typically, like when you're looking at stacks, a lot of the times the three stack is going to be a good spot to take your top laner um, because top lane is is cheaper than those carry rolls, and since they end up with the lowest, t- so let me back up just a sec. Typically, the four stack is going to be the team that you're really in love with. You're like, oh, they're, they're a slam dunk. Either they're a cheap underdog um, that sh- that is mispriced or they're a favorite that scores a lot of fantasy points and is likely going to dominate their matchup. So you're always looking to four stack the team you feel the best about. Um, the reason I would look typically look at top lane in the three stack is what we kind of talked about when we talked about the position itself. That role typically ends up with the lowest kill percentage. So it doesn't always make sense to pay up in your four stack for a favored top laner um, because they might not pay off that salary if they're not involved in a lot of kills. Okay. I like that. I like that. Uh, it, it does seem like it's a perfect MME sport. Um, it is. It certainly is. If you have the bankroll, it's, it's great to MME because there's, there's a lot of combinations you can make. Right. Right. And I mean, generally, I mean, 150 lineups, you're not going to be able to get every combination anyway, but I think one of the key things is you really the first thing that we should be doing is at least in our mind, and there are places online that have odds. None of the U.S. domestic sports books have odds for them, so um, you're going to have to look elsewhere for to at least to uh, see what other people think who are going to win. But is like there really isn't any situation where you're going to be trying to target guys from a team that you don't think is going to win, even if it's going to be close. Right. Right. Um, typically, like, like we said, you know, typically losing teams are not going to score a lot of fantasy points. Although in the LPL, 
if we get two one series, um, and it happened this morning with Sooning and WE. Sooning lost two one, but their scores were still really respectable because it was a close competitive series. And in the game that they did win, they dominated thoroughly, which helped their scores. So it does happen um, in the best of three series more often than not. Um, in best of ones, we do see close games where both sides rack up high kill totals, but it's generally not going to be the safest bet to target a team that you think is going to lose. Right, right. Okay. So at least for those who like are making a lot of lineups, like it seems the first step is just to eliminate teams from that you don't think are going to win from the player pool. Like the the key I feel like for a lot of people who make and this isn't like people who are making 150 lineups, so you could make 5, you can make 10, whatever you want to play, whatever your bankroll lets you play. Um the goal is to reduce the player pool. And so if you can literally take half of the player pool and remove it, that at least gives you a much easier idea of, uh, of teams that you're focusing on and obviously players that you're going to be taking from those spots. Um, a lot of people, sorry, go on. No, sorry. When I was just going to say, when I'm first building lineups on slates, I like to go right into the DraftKings contest and just highlight the teams that I think are going to win um, and, and, and start there, start with that player pool. So it could be, you know, favorites who are expensive. Um, that's going to be hard to fit in, um, a four, three stack from those teams, or it could be an underdog that I think is in a good spot and is priced too cheaply either for their upside, or if I think that they could potentially outright win. Um, so that's the first thing I do is I like to go in and highlight those teams. Um, if there's series that I think are more 50, 50, I'll leave them. I won't highlight either side of it. Unless I go in and look and um, one side is just, you know, if I think it's a 50-50, but one side is like really mispriced too cheap, then I'll add them in and potentially take some shots there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it does seem like like I came into this without any knowledge of League of Legends, but the general concept of stacking is, is very basic in DFS. And it just seemed like it, it, it allowed for a fairly easy... Uh, entry into League of Legends because it's like, oh, I don't need to find one guy from every team that I want. It's like, I know which teams I'm going to focus on. I know which positions I should be prioritizing in each of these. And it's more just a salary game at that point, Um, which in itself lends itself to using an optimizer pretty easily because, um, I mean, you can, there are plenty out there. The Rotowire one does this where you can just put in which groups you want. So you put in four guys, you know, the four positions that you want from each team uh, and you could do threes from others and it'll just generate lineups four three lineups for you to, to do that. Um, so th- that, that also made me realize like, wow, you can really do a lot with a lot of lineups here because ultimately you're not choosing from the entire player pool. You're choosing from half of it. And then you're probably breaking that down even more because some teams are going to be, um, you know, heavier favorites or, or the prices are just so too low that, uh, for the matchup. So it's, uh, I feel like of all of the sports, it might be the one that's the easiest to get into just because, um, there are fundamental like DFS concepts that apply very easily. Um, and I'll say that and lose everything. Cause I don't know any of these players or teams. So. <laughs> well, that's where the, you know, that's where the slate by slate analysis really comes into play for people. But yeah, the concept is, is fairly straightforward because, you know, like you said, stacking is a, is a common concept in most, DFS sports, um, 
so you don't have to come in and build these lineups like I need one guy from here, one guy from here. You're you're going to stack in cash and in GPP, which which certainly makes your lineups more volatile. But if you're on the right teams um, and both in your teams win, you're typically going to be a pretty dead on to to cash. So mm-hmm. so it's it makes it easier in that regard where you don't need to worry about looking at every single team and saying, well, I need one guy here, one guy here. You're you're really looking at those teams that are, are projected, perceived to win, um, and building your lineups from there. Yeah, it does seem it's one of those where if you are sweating these games and the the stack that you have early, or it doesn't have to be early in the slate, but your stack, if they win, you're in a pretty good spot. Whereas if they lose, you probably know you're dead. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it makes it interesting because, you know, like these, the, the, the Eastern League slates, which start at 2 a.m., if you got a team from a 2 a.m. game, you know, you're sleeping, you wake up in the morning and they lost, you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm dead. You don't even have to really <laughs> pay right. attention necessarily or vice versa if they won. And then you've got, you know, another stack from a, from a later game. It makes it more interesting to tune in for you. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm out of questions. Did we forget any concepts that we should have discussed? No, uh, not really. I don't think we hit on the, the best of ones as much as the best of two. So I just want to say about best of ones, they're really volatile um, and they're really hard to predict because anything can happen in a one game series. Um, I've put this in my LCS articles. It's like uh, it, it's akin to Mike Trout being the best player in baseball and going 0 for 4 on a slate or uh, for soccer fans, you know, uh, who would have thought that Watford would beat Liverpool? But it can happen in one game, you know what I mean? So so the best of one slates are more volatile. The big favorites are going to be big favorites for a reason, and they're going to be priced as they should be. Typically, um, teams like G2 and the LEC are always going to be the most expensive, typically. A team like Cloud9 in the LCS, they're always going to be priced as the most expensive teams and players, most likely. But they, on any given day, they can drop one game to a team that they should beat. So, so those are more volatile. They're better for tournaments potentially because um, they're larger slates, and you know anything can really happen. So it makes it a lot more interesting for GPP. But it makes it frustrating for your your single entry and cash games because you can be on a big favorite and they can lose and they can screw you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems like a perfect uh, contrarian option. Um, if you have the risk tolerance for it, just because like you said, anything happens in one game. So, um, unfortunately we only have one more week of that. And for whoever, you know, you, people listening to this, we could already be in the playoffs. Um, we're best of five, which is the total opposite of <laughs> best of one. So, right. um, but yeah, that's a, that is a great point. So I'm glad you, uh, brought that up. We're going to, we've already had a bunch of content. We're previewing pretty much every slate on rotowire.com. Um, we, We'll continue to do that for the all of the leagues that we discussed, and um, we're going to continue to kind of improve our optimizer. Uh, we have that uh, lineups page that that Ethan noted. We're obviously going to be confirming the LPL lineups and confirming all the other ones that we uh, are able to do. Uh, everything else is going to be projected just based on what the lineups generally are, um, since it doesn't seem like there's a ton of movement game to game. Uh, so we're we're doing our best there. So if anybody has any follow-up questions, uh, you can find Ethan on Twitter at RW underscore Sexton. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Uh, S-E-X-T-O-N. There you go. I'm a Rotowire Andrew, and I will probably just send your questions to Ethan anyway. Um, we're also... <laughs> me, or, me or Cal, right? So. That's right. That's right. Um, we're also available in the Rotowire Discord, uh, which is open for all subscribers. If 
you are a subscriber and are trying to get into League of Legends and want to uh, chat some strategies or players, that's the place to do it. So you can just go to rotowire.com slash chat to join um, that discussion. We also still offer um, free trials to Rotowire. You get 10 free days on the site. You actually get access to all the sports, although I'm not sure what you'll be doing with the other ones at this point. But um, you'll get access to the League of Legends tools that we have as well as the Discord. You can just go to uh, rotowire.com slash Twitter. Uh, that should work for that. So come hang out. Do, uh, do some League of Legends uh, DFS with us. Ethan, uh, thank you for all of that, and good luck with uh, all the rest of the contest. You bet, Andrew. Thanks for having me.